Well, hello, and welcome back to today's daily devotion, your daily PPE, uh, daily wisdom from the Word of God to help you through your day and through your week. Well, we're quickly approaching, and I guess we are at the end of our week. It's Friday, it's December the 17th, and the title of today's devotion is Trying to Steal Christmas. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. I guess my, uh, my thoughts on this as I was entitling this scripture, I was thinking about, uh, I seen the other day once again, the Grinch who stole Christmas. And I guess I was thinking about that, how he, he tried to steal all the Christmas tree and the presents and the lights and everything that made for the Whoville. I think that's where it was at, wasn't it? The Whoville? can't remember right now really but I think it was for Whoville he was trying to steal everything that made them remember Christmas and what Christmas was all about for them I think it's interesting now I <clears throat> I understand um, that's not a true story obviously but there is an enemy that tries to steal the thought and the ideal of Christmas from us every single year um, tries to mask over and cover up what truly Christmas is about. And don't get me wrong, I, I like watching The Grinch. I like all the Christmas stuff, the tree and Santa Claus. I like all that that comes with it. <clears throat> but the true meaning is Jesus Christ and what he came to do, the greatest gift that's ever been given to us. And uh, anytime we, we um, try to cover that over or remove that from our lives, uh, the enemy is trying to pull that away from us. And so please don't forget what true Christmas and what Christmas truly is about. And that is about Jesus coming as the greatest gift. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, Then Herod called for a private meeting with his wise men, and he learned from them the time that, uh, or the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, Go to Bethlehem. Search carefully for this child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, I don't want to bring gloom and doom to our Christmas season and the celebration of Christ, but I feel this situation has to be addressed. It, it was a problem then, and it remains a problem today, and that is the world as we know it right now is in dire needs of a Savior, Jesus Christ. Everyone who is without Jesus is dying and as the Bible tells us, spiritually dying, and uh, they're on their way to a gloom and doom eternity. But Jesus um, and, and has come so that he's given us an opportunity, God has given us an opportunity to change that, that direction and to move towards what God has for us. This position of Herod, and the position that he held in that particular time and day is a position of a lot of people, or the same position that a lot of people hold today. They're pretending to be a follower or worshiper of Jesus Christ. Herod represents the hearts of men and women who know of God, know about God, but they refuse to truly give their hearts and lives to him. And in the process, they hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in their life and the lives of others around them. These types of people say, you know, I want to worship Jesus. They, they speak about it. Sometimes they even go through the motions, but 
their lives does not reflect a difference in who they used to be and who they are now that they've met Jesus or know who Jesus is. It's ironic that these verses illustrate that Herod wanted to be king of his own life, but in reality, he was just only a slave. As a as one person put it, I read in an article these last couple weeks. Uh, he said Herod ended up being Herod ended up becoming a king of fools instead of the king of the Jews. Herod ended up in the same category of many different dictators that was before him and after him. They find out that. Uh, those who live wicked lives end up reaping what they sow. Uh, And we may not think about this situation. As you read this passage of scripture, you may not think of this particular thing as idolatry, but it's exactly what it is. Anytime we place our own ideals, our own plans, our own way of doing things above God's, then we're crowding him out and we're really worshiping ourselves. The, The Bible tells us plainly that we are to have no other gods before God that we are supposed to worship the Lord with all of our hearts and our minds and our, and our souls. And I, I really truly believe the Bible's very, very clear on what God expects from us. But we have to read this Bible in order for us to understand what God is saying to us. And then, after we understand what he's saying, we have to obey it. Then, God gives us, not only did he give us Jesus Christ, but he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us of our sins when we mess up and so that we can repent and we can truly come back to the Lord. In our passage today, God has given or had given direction to Herod by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may not realize this or seen this before, but God revealed to Herod through the teachings of the Word of God, through the Old Testament prophets, and several of his advisors told him God's Word. It was revealed to him through the Holy Spirit. But even though it was revealed to him, even though it was clearly directed of him who the Messiah would be, where he would be born, Herod still made the choice to ignore it. I tell you, it honestly breaks my heart breaks my heart when I come to the realization of the times in my life where I've missed the word of God or I've missed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I have to turn and I have to ask for forgiveness and repent. Lord, forgive me for missing you. Forgive me of being so wrapped up in what I'm doing or wrapped up in something that doesn't pertain to you or even wrapped up so wrapped up in your work, so to speak, that I miss your leading. And I have to ask for forgiveness of that. But that's the greatness of God's gift. Jesus, he died for our sins so that when we mess up, we can ask for forgiveness and he forgives us. And even in those times that I know what I shouldn't have done, that I know what I should have done, and I didn't do it, it's a sin. But Jesus died for those actions. But to know what you should do and not do it, to know that what what Herod should have done and what he when he realized who and where the king of the Jews, the Son of God, was going to be born, and not to do it is idolatry. And, and don't misunderstand me. There's forgiveness for idolatry too, thank God. But we, have to, we must repent 
We have to turn from our sin and ask for forgiveness. But Herod wouldn't turn. And he definitely didn't repent. His life and the actions from his life reveal that. So sad. It's actually tragic that there are literally millions of people just like Herod out there today who have heard about Jesus, actually been taught about his coming. Actually, to be quite honest with you, and I know you know this, but sometimes we overlook it, the world is taught about the coming of the Savior every single year. Every single year around the beginning of Thanksgiving, Walmart is flooded with things about Christmas. And we're taught about the coming of Jesus every year. We have the opportunity and millions of people have the opportunity to repent and accept Jesus for who he is. And yet they still refuse to give their lives over to him. Breaks my heart. And I'm sure it breaks the Lord's heart. But today, I pray that you see this. I pray that it breaks your heart as well. And that might sound mean, but until the people of God get to a place where our hearts are like that of Jesus, we will never experience true revival in our hearts. We have to be broken about the corruptness and the evil that's taken place in this world before there will be any revival in our lives, which will change other people's lives. Let me give you one more scripture about this particular thing, Jesus's heart. It's found in John eleven thirty five. You may recognize that as the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. Very straightforward, very simple. And some would argue about this verse. And I have had other people argue with me about him. I guess not really argue, but, but disagree with me. But I believe that this verse shows Jesus' compassion upon people, and it, and it reveals his human nature. Um, but not, I believe that, but not the way that some people believe that. So some people believe that Jesus loved Lazarus, and I believe he did. Some people believe that this verse shows them Jesus' humanity, that he was just broken up about Lazarus being dead. And I do believe that Jesus's heart breaks for people who, who die and pass away. And, but what this verse, I believe, truly reveals about Jesus is God's heartbreak and Jesus's broken heart over mankind's unbelief and God's anger against Satan who brings that unbelief in our life. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. 35, but look at verse number 33. John wrote, when Jesus saw her weeping, the, the woman that came to Jesus said, oh, Lord, Lazarus has died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, they were wailing and weeping about Lazarus being dead. The Bible says Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The phrase there, deeply moved in spirit, has more meaning than, it, than just sad. Actually, the wording there or the phrase in the Greek means indignation. It means anger or troubled because of something done, some wrong being done. And the word trouble there in the Greek means disturbed or agitated. So it's not so much 
a sadness. It's more of a, I'm aggravated with this situation. Aggravated to the point that my soul is aggravated and agitated. And I believe this verse in this passage points out that Jesus was sad, but he was angered and agitated about, first of all, the people's unbelief. They saw the miracles of what Jesus had done and, and, and had been doing. He had told them repeatedly that he was the Son of Man. There had been prophecies prophesied about who he was. And yet, even though they saw their unbelief was still so much present in their lives. And Jesus was so sad and so agitated and so uh, upset that he wept. Second thing I believe that Jesus was here, that he was deeply moved in spirit because he was angry and agitated at Satan. The Bible says it's like he groaned. This, this deeply moved in the spirit actually means like he was like, any kind of breathe in spirit means in breath. He breathed out. And it's like in an agitation, like that you would see something happen and you're like, I can't believe it. I'm so upset. And I, I believe that Jesus was so agitated to the point where he's seen that Satan was doing the same thing that he had been doing in the lives of people for centuries, bringing unbelief into their lives. Today, I pray that you will not allow the enemy to steal what God has set in place and set in motion in your life. He has put in truth by the word of God. He's given you truth by the Jesus being born in Bethlehem. He's given you truth by the power of the Holy Spirit for your life and for us to make connection with him. Would you not let Satan steal what he's placed in your life? I pray that this Christmas you remember and you always remember what Jesus has done for you and given to you, the greatest gift ever given, the Savior. And I pray that you will not let, this, let the enemy steal this Christmas from you and this Christmas joy. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you be with your people. God, give them strength and boldness by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me today, Lord willing. I'll be with you again tomorrow, one more time before the Christmas season. Remember, I'm praying for you. God bless you.